Welcome to the Optimal Bio Podcast. At Optimal Bio, we don't just balance your hormones, we balance your whole body. Our conversations range from nutrition to medicine with an emphasis on wellness tips to support your health journey. If you like what you hear, find us on the web at optimalbio.com and follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Optimal Bio podcast. Today, we are honored to have Pete Yannity, sports anchor at WSPA in Greenville, South Carolina. To full disclosure, Pete is a great friend of mine. We spent high school together in Ridgefield, Connecticut, and he taught me everything I know about being behind the screen, which is not a lot um, (laughs) since I'm barely behind the screen. But today, I get to interview an expert in the field. So Pete, welcome. Thank you. I don't know if the word honored has ever been used uh, in an introduction. So now I'm honored. So that makes two of us. So if you wouldn't mind just uh, sharing with the audience how you uh, got your start and uh, how eventually you got to Greenville, South Carolina. A little bit before you and I met as uh, high schoolers in Ridgefield, Connecticut, when I was 11 years old, I was in sixth grade. And I knew this is exactly what I was going to do with my life. There literally was no plan B. Um, My oldest sister had a boyfriend in college, and her and my alma mater, as you know, ended up being the same. And I went out and visited her, and I saw him. He was doing radio at a basketball game, and I thought, wow, that's unbelievable. And then I used to, as a kid, go to a lot of games with my dad, and we'd go to this one college not far from where you and I grew up on a regular basis. And after the game, he'd go down and hobnob with friends of his, and he knew some of the coaches. And I would just watch what was going on on press row and, and how guys were you know, doing post-game shows, and I was fascinated by it. And as a sports fan growing up who consumed a lot of sports on TV and radio, I just had a feeling that this was something I could do. And then high school, I uh, had some opportunities. We had a TV studio in our high school that had been in mothballs until our sophomore year in high school. And we had heard about this thing called cable TV coming into our quaint little hometown. And through that, we uh, thought, let's put a TV station together. And we did that, and only... While you and I were there, broadcast on tape delay inside of the school for the cafeteria, the library, people in classrooms, whatever, could see it, uh, what they call blue wiring. But we set up the, set the stage to have a TV station coming out of the high school to go on the local cable system. And then went to a college that, I, you know, I, it was perfect for me because I'd grown up with it, but it had everything I needed to kind of build the foundation. And... Also in our hometown, a little weekly newspaper, uh, got involved with them and and pretty much spent all of my uh, mid-teen years from, I always marked December 12th, 1979, when you and I were calling a uh, Ridgefield High School 52 to 51 win over Naugatakai, one of two wins that year for that team. And I always marked that as the, the day this all started for me. And uh, pretty much from mid-teen years until sitting here right now, I've uh, been focused on this career and uh, building its foundation and growing it. And I've, I've been blessed with some unbelievable opportunities along the way. So I have to ask, I mean, as a kid, you know, most of us dream of being college or professional athletes. And you obviously, you know, at a very early age, thought that broadcasting was going to be your, your calling in life. Did you ever think that, or when did you think that playing was going to be less important than being part of the broadcast world? When I was a junior in high school and the foundation of the TV station came together and I thought, you know what, I'm not going to play football in the fall. And I wasn't good enough to make the other teams. And I thought I'm going to focus my uh, senior year on doing the best I can uh, 
producing telecasts and shows and calling games and the little newscasts we did each week and all of that. I knew uh, at that age, I knew that that was, that was it. I got to really do this because this is something I could do and, and make a living at doing. And a lot of people always, uh, as I, when I talk to them, they'll say, so when did you get in the business? Why did you get in the business? And I often say, really, the business got into me. It, it literally was something I, I couldn't not do. And, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of pulled me along when I needed it to pull me along. But really, in, in my business, as I often tell a lot of young folks I talk to who are getting in, this is a crazy industry that I'm in. There's something a little bit wrong with me mentally. I get that. I admit that. But when this is in me and when it's in you and when that line between your normal life and your work life is, is very much blurred because you just, you know, you got to get a job done and you'll work all day. I've, you know, I've gone many weeks, just I've often gone 90 straight days without taking a day off. And I had some downtime or whatever, but you know, for part of at least one day in each of those weeks, I was doing something because that's what I had to do to continue to build. So, um, but yeah, long answer to a short question. I realized my junior year of high school playing was done and now it was time to, to focus on this. So obviously you're a pioneer, you know, in high school, you started this whole thing up and I'm assuming during that time you're, you know, emulating a certain broadcast, you know, on, on the networks at some point in time, or, uh, you know, there's a, a famous broadcaster that you're probably looking at as well. So who are those, those shows or those people that, you know, you try to model after when you were a kid? And they're not necessarily the ones that we were accustomed to seeing, you know, on a regular basis. There were a lot of obscure guys, um, the team that I followed and have forever, and, and you would get on my case about listening to on a crackly AM radio signal at night, some of those guys. I kind of learned foundational stuff listening to them. I used to listen to a, a station out of Cleveland, and the guy who did the Cleveland Cavaliers games, from a play-by-play -play standpoint, he helped me with a lot of foundations. And listening to him, a guy named Joe Tate, who left us a few years ago, um, listening to him is, is when I started doing radio basketball, first in college, and then when I started doing Clemson radio in uh, 2003 and four for basketball, especially those foundational things of basket scored, give time and score immediately, that kind of stuff um, just kind of got in me. I, I did learn early on in this business from just talking to people. And again, I was one of these and you were around me. I mean, I was, you know, basically other than having the word dork on my forehead, I was totally a geek about this business. Um, I did learn early on, you know, just try to be the first version of you. And that's the same message I give. I cannot tell you how many, about 10 years ago, and just over the years, I've had either men or women tell me, well, I want to be, you know, the, this person or that person. Aaron Andrews has had an unbelievable career, unbelievable talent. Okay, Aaron Andrews did a great job of being the first version of her. I had too many people come and say, I want to be the next version of Aaron Andrews, to which I would say she would be, I would think, flattered by that. But I think she would also tell you, be the best version of yourself and, and just try to become great doing what you are, who you are. So I never tried to really impersonate um, anybody because I, I don't think that's legit. Now, there are times where, and any broadcaster, you know, we're human beings that in an amplified form of ourselves, we can kind of, as we call it, you know, sound like Ron Radio and, and I've got a very good... Uh, I've got a very good eye in the sky, my wife, who will tell me if she sees some of my stuff. You know, you kind of want a little Ron radio there, and I'll know <laughs> to ramp it back and try to be more human. 
So you go to Ohio University and then what are you doing there? Are you calling all the basketball games? Are you doing baseball? Are you doing pretty much everything sports related there? So I, uh, and when I went out there, I made sure I checked out just to visit in the summer before going into our senior year. And then I got, you and I were getting ready to go to a party uh, on Halloween night of, uh, in the fall of 1980, as seniors in high school. And the mail came that afternoon and it was welcome Bobcat. I literally got accepted on Halloween night before we went to a party. And off of this form, if you forget that party, I'll remind you of it um, at another time. But anyway, um, knew exactly what they had to offer. Having grown up with the school and my dad had gone there, my oldest sister had gone there, we had visited, I had family in town. I, I knew some folks who could also help me, but I was literally up working at the radio and TV station there, which were really, it wasn't your typical college radio and TV station. The radio stations were on an, an AM, pretty small signal AM, but the FM was 50,000 watts. And in the world of FM, I mean, that meant that you could get us into West Virginia. We were located in Athens, Ohio, about 37 miles from Parkersburg, West Virginia. You could get us in Northern Kentucky and up into Ohio. And then the TV stations were two UHF channels. There were public stations, but it was channel 20, channel 44, and their reach was unbelievable. And as cable was starting to penetrate, that's, I had one of the fortunate things in my career is that uh, cable, you know, probably brought me into more homes working there and also in one of the jobs I had in West Virginia and up here too, because, you know, when you're in mountain terrain areas, TV signals aren't all that great. But anyway, I got to college and I hit the ground running. I went to work for the athletic department in their sports information office. I wanted to learn more about how it worked from that side of things. Was working at the radio and TV station. By the middle of my freshman year, I was cleared to be able to anchor sports on the 10 o'clock news we did each night and we would take weeks of those. Um, there was a production company that was kind of forming. And again, I'd been working TV. I knew how these things worked. I had done tape delayed telecast for my last two years of high school. And within the College of Communication that I was in, that was forming. And that led to me doing um, games all over the Midwest. I was driving out on a Saturday morning after doing a game on those radio stations. I talked about a high school game on a Friday night. Um, I was getting in a car and driving to places like Muncie, Indiana, or on a Friday night, I was driving up to Mount Pleasant, Michigan to do our college's games. So if it was a Saturday football game, we'd do the game, three or four cameras on tape delay, and then we'd come back, they'd edit them together, and then it would air on the cable system the next night. On a Friday night, we did Athens High School, which now has an alumnus that has not only uh, taken the NFL by storm, but now has the biggest uh, contract in NFL history, Joe Burrow. But many years after I was doing their games. Um, we would do their games on Friday all around Southeastern Ohio. And then from a radio and TV standpoint, I was anchoring usually three weeks a quarter. We were on quarters, not semesters, so we had three quarters a year. At least three weeks a quarter, I was usually staying during breaks for many weeks of the, we had a really long Christmas break, so I'd usually stay four weeks during that and then come home. Did that after my freshman year. And during spring break, I didn't go to Fort Lauderdale, Daytona Beach. I stayed and I worked. And um, But anyway, I was doing uh, sportscasts and then I was doing a bunch of radio sportscasts. And a lot of times, three, two or three days a week, um, I'd be getting up at 5, 5.30 in the morning, going to do the morning because there were like four sportscasts. And I just saw it again. The more, the better, you know. You can, if you want to be really good at basketball, someone can sit you down and they can they can tell you all about it and show you it and show you charts, but you get better by playing and you get better in this craft of what I do by doing it and by talking and by writing and by living it and by experiencing it and by learning what it's like to be in a news conference with folks that, 
you know, maybe hard on reporters, but asking them questions. And I, I just, you know, I, I feel like if, if I've done anything right, it was at least the foundation I built to set myself up. And, and you know, it kind of set myself up to be able to hit a lot of markers pretty early in my career. So is the industry like that today where, you know, you're encouraging you know, college kids, for example, to go out and do every single game, drive all over the place, do the local stuff, or is it different now? I think the opportunities are still there. They're better than ever. So my son works in the industry, but he's now pretty much part of the digital part of the industry. No, I, I always say in any field, if you want to be, you know, if you want to get as close to excellence as possible, or at least strive for it, if you want to play the game, get in the game. And I would say to, you know, anyone trying to get into this field or get into any field. If I were going to get into the business world, okay, I'd probably go be a business major at school. And I used to see the business majors, you know, those were the ones who were always at the dorm when I'd come back and I was rarely at my dorm. And they were just kind of hanging out because they knew that there would probably be an interview on their campus. That's great. And they'd get hired by their company. But if I were a business major, I'd be thinking, okay, I know I need to get a job, but how else can I, you know, grow myself outside of my industry because maybe I can find the next great opportunity too. So that would be my thought. If I were, you know, if I were getting into medicine, if I were pre-med and knowing I had med school and I were undergrad, I'd still be trying to do something practically in that because, hey, what if you learn you don't like it? And that's the other thing about this business and why I always tell folks, get involved with it in high school, learn how to write, learn how to talk, go work for, you know, newspapers like we knew them kind of that's changed, but now you have websites. But Make sure, you know, I've had some people who've gotten jobs right out of college, didn't do much in this industry in college, got a job in the industry, and they hated it. And it's because, well, in college, you should have learned if you loved it or hated it. But I would say um, you can never learn enough about the career you're going to be in at a young age. And I would say this career first and foremost, but in most careers. In addition to learning the craft of broadcasting, doing all these games, driving all over the place, are there other things that you're learning about yourself at that same time? You know, I learned early on that I, um, I'm a type A personality, even though I maybe don't project that, um, that I can be a real annoying individual to others without meaning to be, but trying to always be gentle hearted and kind. Um, and I learned that, you know what, and I, I learned this at a really young age while in college, I can multitask probably with anybody. And I also learned that I can ad lib with anybody. Um, but multitasking was big because to fund our little jaunts to the DeKalb, Illinois, and Oxford, Ohio's of the world, we had to go out and raise money. So I had to go knock on doors of local merchants in the greater Athens area. And, and so I'm trying to prepare for games and I'm doing these games, but I'm also, you know, and I've got, and there was a point where I actually attended classes while I was in college too. Um, <laughs> you know, had to, and, Benefiting from an excellent education as a poli-sci minor and a broadcast journalism major, it helped that a lot of my poli-sci classes, I'd already done that in high school. So it was like, oh, I remember that. And, you know, one of the things I did was in our newsroom at our radio and TV station, we had an entity of Ohio. We were the distribution point for Ohio Associated Press Radio in a small uh just in a nutshell, what that was, students, you would work like a three-hour shift from pretty much from six in the morning all the way up until like nine at night and you'd do them in three hour shifts. I think they paid us like a buck 67 an hour, but you would call around to radio stations and whatever interviews they had, clips of interviews. I once interviewed the governor on the phone. Um, you do interviews with lawmakers. You would then record that and then you distribute it. You, you put it in a place where other radio stations could go get it. Or maybe, I think they used to call us and we'd send it out. So I showed up one time in one of my journalism classes with, you know, like somebody had interviewed the local 
you know, dog catcher. And someone interviewed the owner of an ice cream store and I had an interview with the governor. And, you know, other kids in the class are throwing their hands up. But so, um, it, you know, I, I had a lot of opportunities for growth. And, and so, you know, again, once again, a long answer to a, a very short question. And when you're doing these games, especially in your younger years, are you remembering the games? Are you into the games? Are you rooting for a specific team? I know you all say we're objective and we just want to call a great game, but, you know, do you get caught up in it? And looking back at it now, I mean, can you remember a lot of the games that you did? I remember quite a few. Um, I, I do remember that, uh, you know, I'll never forget the 1983 MAC title game. Ohio won at 59 to 56 at Bowling Green. And Bowling Green had, had just beaten us a few weeks before in a low scoring game. And I remember, I remember calling, you know, the general, some of the general aspects of a lot of those games. I remember a comeback win trailing in the rain at Kent State in football in November of uh, 83, November of 83, and scoring 21 unanswered in the fourth quarter for a 21 20 win. Um, I remember doing a high school game with you and a kid named John Smith from Stanford Catholic hit a shot with two seconds left to force overtime and then in double overtime hit the winning shot with like a second left. And then throughout my uh, career, and I had, a, I had a gap in the play-by-play world in my life. I got out of college. I didn't do call another live game till the late 90s when I did some stuff with public TV. I actually did color uh, commentary on a couple of uh, state championship games. And then... Um, did uh, some play-by-play of some state title games. And then with a regional sports network that started in the Southeast, got back into the play-by-play thing. But then the Clemson, for 11 years, I was Clemson's football and radio play-by-play guy. And there were some really memorable moments uh, there and some really touching personal moments there too. And then now, since my Clemson world kind of changed abruptly in April of 2014, I've averaged about 60 to 65 games a year on either ESPN Plus or a regional network or on CBS Sports Network. I've done some games and on Raycom Sports, I've done some games. And there are certain moments of games that I remember. You'll always remember certain games that you do. After you finish doing a game and you're driving back or you're, you know, with your team, your crew, or are you doing a, you know, a 360 on the evening and are you critiquing yourself? Yeah, great question. I'm often remembering points in a game. And like, for example... And, you know, you just don't show up, hey, it's time to do a game. You know, there's like the football games we do. I've got a game this week in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And that or that began, uh, it began in the summertime when I kind of knew which games I was doing and all the different teams. And I made these charts that I use and I made dummies of them, filling in as many names that are going to be in certain positions on the depth chart or whatever. And then last night I finalized it all for this game. But so last weekend I did the Sanford Western Carolina game and our preparation includes not only, you know, getting charts ready, making notes, whatever. Then we have a conference call with the coaches on Thursday in which for about half an hour, talk to them, ask them questions about specific things, kind of get a vibe. Um, and then we also have a production call with the production crew and we have plans certain like this week they're in the opening of the game. We're going to feature two running backs they happen to be from the same hometown, you know, one from either team. That's pretty cool. Inside of the game, we have a couple of feature segments. One is about the fact 10th year anniversary of Chattanooga finally breaking through and winning the SOCON title after like a 30 year gap. And so we'll have some visuals of that. And then for the Citadel, their head coach 
has been in like 30 jobs. And we're going to kind of do a little graphic of all the different places he's been. And so planning all of that. But to your point, driving away Saturday, we had a five-hour weather delay in the game we were doing. Seemed like that was everywhere. I had it written down on a chart next to me. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And it was one of those progressively like, well, we hope to start by 420. Another lightning strike, we've been pushed back. So anyway, after the game, I'm like, I missed an opportunity because on one of the conference calls with the Sanford coach, he mentioned lightning on Wednesday curtailed their practice. And I, I missed an opportunity. And it's whatever. It's a little thing. A lot of the nuggets that I prepare for, I was able to work in. But stuff like that, I'm reliving all the time. Um, you know, and, and, and every so often it's gratifying. Someone will, will tweet me or send me a text or email me. Hey, I heard your game and I really like how you described that play. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm always, always about everything I do. I'm evaluating. I mean, I've, I've probably done in, in my six and 11 sports guy TV career, 20 to 25,000 shows. Most of them are just, Hey, you do them. It's, you know, but, but I'm, there are times where if I didn't hit a mark the right way and didn't, didn't maybe didn't. A lot of times I'm ad-libbing it, but sometimes I'm writing it and I'm thinking, gosh, I could have done that better. And sometimes I have an opportunity after the six or seven o'clock show, then we'll have a 10 and an 11 o'clock show and I can kind of revise it and maybe do it better than I did earlier. Now you went, when you got out of school, you, to your point earlier, you went to the, into the studio for the, and became assistant anchor, head anchor or whatever. And yeah. was that by design or did that, did just the way the careers were at that point in time, taking you out of that play by play? That was trying to get a, a first job. That was trying to get a first job wherever I could get a job. And I don't know if you remember this. I probably told you about it. I went exactly two months from the day I flipped the tassel to the day I got the phone call uh, that I got my first job. And I was a weekend guy at the CBS affiliate in Florence, South Carolina. Happened to be owned by a company that owned at the time that owns where I'm sitting right now. And I was a weekend guy. I just wanted to get a job and work. And again, I was willing to work 24 7, 365. Get down there, you know, had to do some news reporting, but was also doing weekend sports. But even when I was doing news reporting, that at night I'd go out and cover a, a game or something in that area. They didn't sign me to a contract. They were supposed to, they didn't. So six months later, a buddy of mine called me at an NBC affiliate in West Virginia and said, Our weekday guy is leaving. And I gave the news director your name. So back then, you know, the internet didn't exist. Uh, so I put a tape together of some of my sportscasts, either put it on a bus or sent it FedEx. I think I sent it FedEx. And the next day, the guy had seen it, gave me a call, interviewed, got my first job. I was 22, and it's like I had to take a 6 and 11 job, and I saw it. And it was a smaller market, but a very nice set. It was in north central West Virginia. It wasn't too far from Pittsburgh. I didn't feel like I was out in the middle of nowhere. And, um, and I thought, if nothing else, I need reps. And this gives me 6 and 11 every night. And then was there for a year, went back to Florence to be the weekday guy. And then three and a half years later, came up here in uh, October of 1990. So I've been, my main job through all of this journey since 1990 has been at this CBS affiliate here as a weeknight sports guy. And then I've added a bunch of auxiliary stuff, a lot of freelance stuff um, with different entities that I've worked for over the years. Yeah, I remember when you took that Florence job because we were both college graduates, but did not have quote unquote real jobs yet. And I started painting houses Yeah, and you were going to paint one of the houses with me and we were getting ready to start. And you came over and said, Hey, I got a job. I'm leaving. I think I did one day. <laughs> no of- notice. And um, I'm trying to talk you in this thing. And looking back at it now, you know, I was like, yeah, I get it, man. Just go, you know? Yeah. I, I think I made the right, as, as tough as that was for me to tell you that. Yeah. Well, neither you or I are painters anymore. So we have, That's, I think both yeah. made the right decisions. Well, although, you know, in the homes that I've owned, uh, the boss has had me paint uh, several rooms. So I have recreated that role, uh, several rooms more than once, by the way. There you go. 
could have been even more of a perfectionist about it. Yeah. So you, uh, so you finally land in Greenville and you've been there for a long time now. And, uh, as you know, I told you optimal bio, um, has a, uh, opened up a practice there a few months ago. Yep. What's the community like? I mean, you've been there forever and, um, sure. you know, I think it obviously it's, it's the longest place you've probably ever lived in your life. And, um, yeah. you know, kind of walk us through how great Greenville is. I mean, I often tell people, I wish I'd grown up here. I love the town you and I grew up in, but, and, and I think of, uh, Spartanburg where I'm sitting, Greenville, uh, which is in the, the middle of this region. I, I just think of it as the upstate, which is what we call this region. And to me, this whole area, and then up into Western North Carolina, which is also part of our TV market, but it is, as in my opinion, the greatest place in the country to live because uh, Greenville and Spartanburg and a city west of Greenville, Anderson have all made uh, great strides over the years. They're great places. You've got the mountains within an hour drive. You can get to the ocean in a little over two hours and 20 minutes. Uh, major cities on either side of you. Uh, weather is very uh, temperate, I think. Yeah, we get hot days. We get snow. We get snow and it's gone after two days. So you can enjoy it, but it doesn't hang around forever. Um, you know, you've got history around you, Charleston and Savannah. You've got, you know, great, really, it, some really growing, uh, really good school systems. My kids came through Greenville County Schools. Uh, Spartanburg County has some unbelievable uh, school districts. Uh, they've, they've all really made strides. And all across the upstate, Anderson County, Pickens County, the other counties in our area, uh, educationally, uh, from a college and university standpoint, we've got some great places too. So to me, it is just a fabulous place. It's, you know, easy to get to the upstate of South Carolina. It's from here, it's easy to get to Charlotte or Atlanta or anywhere on the planet. Um, we've got one of the greatest airports in the country here, but you can get to the Charlotte airport or the Atlanta airport pretty quickly as well. Yeah. The only negative I'd say is just that construction on 85. It seems like it never ends. Yeah. I know, boy, it's it's getting there. And and for this folks in this region, if you go up to Asheville, they've been working on I twenty six forever. So it's not hard to see construction equipment. You know, the those bulldozer things and the the, the backhoes. You can see them pretty much uh, every few miles around here. So let's talk a little bit about work life balance. You know, you mentioned earlier. You know, done thousands of games. Uh, I'm getting close to a thousand, by the way. Yeah. In terms of play by play, just to cut you off there, I, I think I'm close. I've tried to count it up over the years, and and I've I've broken it down to games I've done live, games I've done tape delay, but I'm I'm pretty sure that I'm right around a thousand. But this time of year, and actually pretty much every season, you're gone on the on the weekends. Um, usually a Saturday's taken or a Friday night or whatever. And yeah. Yeah. Being married, especially when your kids are younger, I mean, that's prime time for family. So how do you sure. handle the work-life balance? You know, that was something getting into the business. And I, you know, was asking questions, try to get to know as many people in the business. And one of the things that when I was in college, I was petrified of is how am I going to have a wife and children and have some normalcy? And again, it, it all worked out in that realm. Life changed a lot in my 20s and went in different directions in the personal side of my life. But Ended up with a fabulous wife, uh, two children, wonderful children, and somehow, some way, and, and, you know, I was doing freelance stuff from the time they were really young, and one was six and one was four when I started doing Clemson games in addition to this job, and I just made it work. Now, there were some benefits to that. As my son got a little bit older, he'd start coming along to Clemson games with me, and he got to see things that a lot of kids don't get to see and experience things a lot of kids don't get to see. And, uh, you know, we just made it, we made it happen. There were games to go to, there were ballet recitals to go to. A lot of times it was getting off a plane and 
you know, getting to one of those or, you know, making it all work. And yeah, just like any other parent who would have to travel for a job, regardless of industry, I had to be out of town at times. But I, I can't say that I have the, the magic dust. I can't say I just added water and it all worked out, but we made it work out. We had certain gaps in the year that we could do a vacation and, you know, a lot of times we'd go on vacation on the way back, we were stopping, we're going on vacation to the destination because there was a bowl game there. And then like on the way back, I might've had a basketball game and, you know, they'd come along with that. So, you know, I mean, they got to make a trip to Hawaii with me for a basketball tournament. That was really a cool thing that we may not have done as a family. Um, so it, it, I would just say, you know, make sure you have faith in those around you, make sure you end up with the right uh, person. And uh, that's a big part of it. And everything else just kind of tends to fall into place. Sounds good. So, I, you know, what I was getting at is there are certain people out there that have, you know, non-negotiables, I guess, where if they're working on weekends, they're going to take a Monday off. And I know your dad being a dentist, um, you know, he's got people like me that have a toothache out of nowhere that he's got to see and what have you. And, uh, yeah. you know, he has to have some downtime just like everybody else does too. Sure. So I didn't know if there was... So what are you doing then to, from a personal standpoint, do you go out and golf a lot? Do you, you know, take long mm -hmm. walks? Do you I do. go to church? Like what, what do you yeah. do that, you know, allows you to, to get your stress relief, so to speak? Play golf a few mornings a week. And again, the benefit of having afternoon, evening hours. And, you know, the golf was on hold while the kids were growing up. I mean, I play, but not as much. But again, with the hours I work, they're weird, but the benefit. One of the things I did growing up, so they... Kids knew who their dad was. Um, you know, I'd, after the six o'clock show, for example, I'd drive home, have dinner. Maybe they'd already, but at least I was around for a couple of hours and I'd come back and do the late shows. And in the summer times, again, my son, sometimes my daughter, they'd come back with me and uh, we got to hang out with that. The wife was, you know, we would, yeah, we go to church together. Um, weekends, even if I got a game out of town, sometimes I can work it. We can, you know, have dinner together on a Saturday. Sundays we're around each other, even though I'm doing kind of preparatory work. We have a lot of time then. She's had a job for many years just to have something to do that has her in a school. So um, we might see each other early in the morning, but you know, I mean, we, we see enough of each other. I, I think, you know, if she had to be around me more, I might've driven her even crazier. <laughs> That's, hey, maybe it works, right? There you go. From a health and wellness standpoint, obviously you're a healthy individual, but you're on the road a lot. And I gotta believe it's a little bit difficult to, uh, you know, find nutrition sometimes. So how do you balance all that out? In, in 2003, I lost about 70 pounds and I wasn't like I was obese, but I just knew that, you know, so my mantra has always been, I eat two meals a day. I try not to eat in between meals and, you know, violate that rule. I have one dessert a day. I try to drink water as my primary drink. I'll enjoy other kinds of drinks or whatever here and there, but pretty much with meals, I drink water. Um, my late 40s, I started getting a physical every year. I thought that was important to do, and I've done it every year since. Um, and, you know, I get out of the golf course a couple of days a week at least to get exercise, fresh air. Not really a walker, but again, I'm, I'm on the move a lot. And, uh, you know, in the course of a day, I'll climb steps enough and that kind of thing. Um, I, I've never been a go to the gym and work out. I, I do 15 pushups every morning. Um, but I've never been a go to the gym workup guy because that's just not me. I really don't have that time, uh, but I've, I've made it work. And again, it's different for every individual. I think just doing basic things that you were doing in gym class as a kid uh, can be enough in terms of conditioning and that kind of thing. But I do respect the, 
uh, personal gym industry and all of that. And there are some, some benefits that you can get going there too. But there's nothing really magic. And I just thank God every day that I've got my health. So are you, uh, you said two meals a day. Is it a breakfast dinner thing, lunch dinner thing? How would you describe that? Usually a, a late morning you know, kind of either a breakfast or a, din- a lunch late morning and then dinner right after the six, I usually have dinner. Um, and then I, I do another hit at about 7.50 Eastern time. So uh, yeah, those are the two meals each day. And uh, do you take any supplements? Yeah, I take, 80, I take the 81 milligram baby aspirin. And I do, uh, when I was doing Clemson games every year around February, I would just start getting a terrible sore throat. And uh, what would happen is, um, you know, I, I finally just asked a medical person. I said, take one of these, you know, it's, it's the 24-hour allergy thing. Because I think I've got some allergy stuff. And I take, those are the, literally the only two things I take. Mm-hmm. And at night I take that. And, um, it, you know, it's kept me in pretty good, pretty good straight since. I remember you had a roommate, uh, I think might have been in Florence. And he was uh, from the South. And he had those goody headache powders yeah. that he seemed to take all the time. I can't remember his name now, but he was, he always had headaches and he was popping that stuff like there's no tomorrow. I just remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any interesting, um, unusual, you know, funny types of things that have happened in your career that you want to share with, with the audience? So many that, you know, I mean, so many crazy things, so many, you know, being in three places at one time and, you know, not really realizing I was in any one. Quick story at a game at Boston College when I was doing Clemson radio, I don't know, 2007 or eight, flew up that morning because it was a night basketball game, Saturday morning. So I would often travel. If I traveled on the day of the game, I'd get out really early. Flew up there with the thought that I was going to uh, fly back by myself commercially the next day. Um, So I flew out of Charlotte to make it a direct flight. I always wanted to do direct flights on game days, get up to Boston and this forecast for a winter storm totally changed. So I had to be able to fly out that night with the team. And oftentimes with basketball, I would fly back with the team, but that wasn't the plan for this trip for whatever reason. So my car is in Charlotte. We're gonna come back to the Greenville airport. So I don't have a vehicle. So I know if I can, with my radio engineer said, look, if you know, we'll go to your house, get your car, we can drive up there and then I'll drive your car back and then you can just whatever. But the point is, I'm landing at the Greenville Airport on the tarmac without um, the ability to have a car. And I've got to get my car from Charlotte. We get off the plane and I look and there's this 30 foot long stretch limousine sitting there. And I think I'm thinking, okay, they're probably there to pick up the flight crew. And I'll bet you anything the guy couldn't go get a standard car because it's a Saturday night. And I walk over to the guy and it helped that he lived in the viewing area. Hey, how you doing? He knew me. I didn't know him, but I introduced myself. I said, you're here for the, the flight crew to take him. Home. Yeah, I am. I said, I live 10 minutes from here. Is there any way you could just drive me out? No problem, Pete. So I go over and I get my engineer. So the Clemson basketball team's getting off the plane. They're getting on their bus. I said, Jeff, gather your stuff up. We got a ride. And the Clemson basketball team, as they're getting on their bus, look over and they see their play-by-play guy and their engineer getting in this 30-foot-long <laughs> stretch limousine thinking, that's how I travel. And uh, anyway, he drops off the house. We got my wife's car. Went, but and, and I heard anecdotes about that from the guys like, man, you really travel in style, don't you? So what could have been a disaster worked out that way. That's funny. Something, everything always works out in the end, right? Yep. Uh, any travel tips since you're on the road a lot? Plan, 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 whether I'm going an hour and a half away or, you know, somewhere far away. I always have a personal itinerary 
And I'm told, well, you can use your waves. That's fine. I'm, that's great. I always plan everything to, you know, in other words, if I've got a game, that's like a six o'clock game, I'm going to get to the stadium at, at three. And I've got a routine for everything I do. But plan and have a backup plan, have a plan B and, and all that. Good deal. Well, this is toward the end of the podcast. And we always ask our guests to provide five or six takeaways for our listeners. So I'm going to throw it back to you. Anything that you've picked up over life that you want to share with the audience? It's all you. Yeah, uh, just try to always have as great a focus as you can have on whatever you're doing. Uh, try to plan as best you can. Um, I, again, have had it reinforced on a daily basis that I am a human. I am not perfect. I try to be perfect. I'm angry when, you know, I make a mistake, but I still probably make more mistakes than I should make. But uh, just be understanding of the fact that I've always found that whenever I plan something out and, and, and prepare as best I humanly possibly can, I, I get better results. And in the very few times and very early in my career, I learned if I wasn't prepared for something that the avalanche would uh, quickly ensue. But uh, my thought is always just plan for every scenario, both personally and professionally, and more times than not, uh, that's when things tend to work out pretty well. Sounds great. Well, this has been a treat, Pete. And um, for those out there, look for Pete on the CBS affiliate uh, in Greenville, Spartanburg. And the CW as well. We're also on a CW channel too. There you go. So I can pick you up up here then. Well, you can pick up some of our network stuff. Yes. Great stuff. Well, thank you again, Pete. I appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. Good uh, talking to you and the very best of luck. This has been a production of Optimal Bio. Optimal Bio is CEO Tyler Brannon, podcast host and partner Jim Baker, medical director Greg Brannon, production assistance by Core Media, Beth Grabencourt, administrator, Kevin Duthu, executive producer. The podcast can be found on our website, optimalbio.com, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Our theme song is Sunwave by Paradiso, provided by Epidemic Sound.